bless you. Hallelujah. Come with me to the book of Mark. Chapter 4. I read from the verse 35. On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in a boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose. And the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the but he was in, stand asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Shall we say peace, be still? Hallelujah. This version says silence. Praise God. It says peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you had no faith? 41. And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Hallelujah. The command was, go. Let's go to the other side. The wind, the storm came in between. And he was fast asleep because he has given his word. Praise God. The disciples said, who can this be? Other version says, what manner of man is this? That even the wind and the storm could not resist his word. Praise God. Today I'm going to talk on the topic, Lord, teach us to pray. And we'll do the introduction today. And we'll zoom into details next week. Praise God. Like I said, I hope we get some time to just give it all. It's all about Christ. Praise God. It's all about him. Now let's go to the scripture we just, our sister just read to us. In Luke chapter, yeah, Luke chapter 11, please. Luke 11 from the very first verse. I think we will dwell on just the first verse today. He said, when he was praying a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John also taught his disciples, praise God. Now, the disciples of Jesus Christ saw something unique about him. Let's bear in mind that the understanding and our perception of who Jesus Christ is was what, what they knew Jesus to be at the time they asked this question. Praise God. They never knew Jesus 
at that time to be the word that was manifested in the flesh. They never knew him to be the savior of the world. They may also they may consider him perhaps to be like one of the prophets or a religious leader. So they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John, I don't know how the disciples of John were praying, and I don't know who they prayed to and in what name. Perhaps they might be following the Old Testament system. You see, but like Paul said, uh, Pastor said, after they got to know who Christ really, really was, they changed their generation entirely. Praise God. But what I want us to understand first is that at that time they saw him as a mere religious leader, as somebody who was zealous for God, who had a passion for God. But they noticed something unique. That he spoke not like one of the, uh, the, the, the Pharisees. His words were filled with what power. And when it commands, it stands. The Bible says that he speaks as one having what? Authority. Hallelujah. So they said, Lord, teach us to pray. I want to begin with a quote. Can we have it on the board? By one of the old Methodist revivalists. He embounds in the 19th century. He said, prayers should not be regarded as a duty which must be performed, but rather as a privilege to be enjoyed. Delight that is always revealing some new beauty. He says, prayer is a privilege. Hallelujah. But according to the scriptures, Prayer is not just a privilege. It is an honor that God has bestowed upon man. I strongly believe that it is only when you pass on from life into eternity, then you will understand what it means to reason with God and how we have missed that opportunity. Praise God. So I'm going to give you three reasons as an introduction why prayer to me is the greatest honor ever that God has placed upon any of his created beings. Praise God. Let's first read it from the book of Psalm, Psalm 149. Psalm 149. Let's read from the verse Number five to nine, I think. Yeah, five to nine. It says, Let the godly, other versions says, Let the saints, let the godly celebrate in triumph glory. Let them shout for joy on their beds. Other versions says, Let them sing praises on their bed. Let the exhortation of God be. In their mouths and the two-edged sword in their hands. The Bible, the two-edged sword here is about what the word of God. The Bible says it's the sword of the spirit. So that means whatever the word of God says, I mean, 
That is final. Mm -hmm. Continue seven. Inflicting vengeance on the nations and punishment on the people. Mm -hmm. Binding their kings with chains and their dignitaries with iron shackles. Last verse. Carrying out the judgment decreed against them. This honor is for all his godly people. The King James Version says, this honor has all his saints. Praise God. Let me take the verse number nine again from the King James, New King James. It says, to execute on them the written judgment. This honor have all his saints. I said some time ago that our world is ruled by what is written in the scriptures. Praise God. God shaped the world according to what is written in this book called the scriptures. Jesus said the scriptures cannot be broken. Praise God. Hallelujah. So we're going to look at three reasons why it is an honor. Now for the first reason, come with me to the book of James chapter 5. It's a very popular scripture we know very well. I believe the first honor is made clear from this. But let me just read James chapter 5. Yeah, James 5 from verse 17. Okay. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Yeah, he prayed earnestly that it will not rain. And for three and a half years, and for three years and six months, it did not rain on the land. Mm -hmm. Then he prayed again, and the sky gave rain, and the land produced its fruits. 19. My brothers, okay, that's okay. Hallelujah. Now, the first reason why I said it is an honor is that we have been given authority and power to effect changes in line with the word of God. We saw it in the life of Elijah. Now, one of the questions that we should ask ourselves is, why should God answer such prayer? We'll go through the story briefly. The man prayed that it should not rain and God heard him. Hallelujah. Let's, let's, let's go to the story. First Kings chapter 17. First Kings 17. You can write some of the scriptures down and then do your own research. Let me take the very first verse. God is good. Hallelujah. Is it? And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, 
as the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew or rain this year except by my word. Can you imagine? That is man speaking. And God honored that prayer. Now for us to understand why God honored that prayer, come again with me. Let's go back a bit to 1 Kings, the same 1 Kings, yeah, chapter 9. Because like I said, even though we have the authority, it is subject to the weight and the will of God. So 1 Kings chapter 9. Okay, first let's take the verse number, First Kings chapter 7, before we read the 9. First Kings 7. God is good. Hallelujah. Where is the scripture? Hallelujah. Now it talks about, I think it should be somewhere in chapter 8. Yeah, hallelujah. Bear with me, please. It talks, it's, it's a prayer Solomon made, and God gave the answer in the verse number 9. Hallelujah. Just bear with me. Hallelujah. I don't know why I can't find the scripture. Praise God. But it talks about God. Solomon, when he was dedicating the temple, he prayed to God. And he said, if the people, if the heavens are sealed or shut, because the people of God sin against him, and if the people of God that are called by his name should humble themselves to pray. God should hear from above. Hallelujah. And answer and cause rain to come again on earth. Todd, if you find it, you can put it on the board. Sorry. No, not a father six. It talks about there are a lot of stuff there. Yeah. 
let me, let me, 31, is it? Oh, yeah, bless you, man of God. Sorry about that, folks. It says, when the skies are shut and there is no rain because they have sinned against you, and you pray, and they pray towards this place and praise your name, and they turn from their sins because you are afflicting them. 36. May you hear in heaven and forgive the sins of your servants and your people of and your people Israel, so that you may teach them the good way that they should walk in it. Now, this was a prayer Solomon made when he was dedicating the temple. Now, I put a nine down and I didn't really, uh, what do you call it? Put down the eight. Now, the chapter nine. Let me read it. And it came to pass when Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord and the king's house and all Solomon's desire, which he wanted to do, that the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time as he appeared to him at Gibeon. And the Lord said, I have heard your prayer and your supplication that you have made before me. Praise God. So what Elijah did was not contrary to the will of God. It was in line with the word of God. It's just that it has not been enforced. Praise God. Solomon prayed. And perhaps it might be a prophetic declaration. Because God, in many verses, warned the children of Israel that if they worship him, they get the blessings. If they worship idols, they will be handed over to their enemies. Now, so when Elijah, in his days, saw that the entire nation has turned against God under the influence of a wicked woman called Jezebel, he got so mad. And he said, as the Lord lives, there shall not be dew nor rain except by my word. He enforced, listen to me, guys. There was, I mean, the, 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 the Bible didn't say that there wouldn't be rain during that period. The rain, the drought and the rain that came afterwards was enforced by the prayers of Elijah. A mere man. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's why James said he was a man subject to passions as we are. Now, the interesting thing is, in chapter 18, God visited him and said, go show yourself to Ahab, and I'll bring rain to the people of Israel. God is compassionate. Left to Elijah alone, he would have stayed for a few more years. Praise God. But God, who could see within man, said, just go see yourself, and I'll cause rain to come on it. But he chose to do it the big way. Hallelujah. Bible says he guarded all the people of Israel. Let's read the encounter from chapter 18. First Kings chapter 18. We're there earlier. Yeah, chapter 18. I'll jump 
through some of the verses. First King 18, I will take it from the verse 20. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. And if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not because they were hungry. Praise God. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left of the Lord, but Baal prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. Other version says, let him be God. Then the people answered and said, so all the people answered and said, it, will, it is well spoken. He could have just gone to Ahab and said, well, God said he's going to send him. But he decided, no, I will teach these people. I will let the whole world see that there is God in heaven. And that what they are worshiping is false. So he guided all of them. And we know the end of the story. Hallelujah. He spared not one of the Baal prophets. He prayed. And the Bible says that what rain came down. What I want us to take from that scripture is that the famine, the drought, and the rain that came afterwards was not caused by natural forces, but by the prayers of Elijah. Hallelujah. Now let me show you something from the first book of Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Chapter 9, verse 4. And I will explain why we are reading it. Now for let me take this from three. It says, this is an evil in all that is done under the sun. That one thing happens to all. Truly, the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil. Madness is in their hearts while they live. And after they go to the dead, and after they go to the dead, for by him who is joined to all the living, there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Also their love, their hatred, and their envy have perished. Nevermore would they have any share in anything done under the sun. Now I said earlier that it is only when you pass on into eternity that we will understand 
the blessing, the honor, the privilege, and the power that has been given to us through the act of prayer. The Bible says here that what a living dog is better than what a dead lion. Now, what it means is that in the days of Elijah, when the people of Israel turned against God, now because he was alive, he had a mandate, the authority, and the power to stop rain. Hallelujah. Today, if the entire nation of Israel choose not to worship God again, there is nothing he can do about it. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Praise God. Because the dead had nothing to do with the living. When you pass on from life into eternity and something is not going right on earth, the only thing you have to do is to sit down and behold and see the salvation of God. Nobody up there not the angels, not the archangels, reason with God. Interfere with God in his affairs. Praise God. But in Isaiah chapter 1, it says, come, let us what? Reason together. Who is Elijah? Should Israel sin against God to stand and say, God, do something. You can, not Moses, not Abraham, nobody. Praise God. Once you pass on from life into eternity, that opportunity, that mandate is gone and gone for good. Because there you understand what it means that God is sovereign. You understand the sovereignty of God and the frailty of his creation when you pass on from life into eternity. So church, that mandate, and the enemy knows that very well. That's why it makes it so difficult for most Christians to pray. Because it's, he knows that it is only on this earth that we have that power, that mandate to stop his work and to execute the will and the word of God on earth. So church, is an honor that we have to really be keen about and go all out for. The only thing that matters is what the second reason is. Is that the, the, the prevailing prayers outlive the life of those who utter them. I believe pastor always say here that our prayers do not what rot. Hallelujah. The only thing that matters is when you pray on certain things and even you are not there, God is still there and he will answer your prayers. So you see, it is something that outlasts our life here on earth. It will even outlast a generation and many nations. Praise God. Let's look at one of the amazing promises that is fulfilled right in our very eyes. Come with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 17. Genesis 17. 
Thank you, Jesus. Now I read the first verse. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make you I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you. And will multiply you, and multiply you exceedingly. Then Abraham fell on his face and talked with God saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you. And you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abraham. But your name shall be Abraham. Now let's move on to verse 18. Then God said to Abraham, listen to that carefully. As for Sarah, your wife, she shall not, she sh you shall call her name, you shall not call her name Sarah, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of many nations. A mother of nations. Kings of people shall be from her. Then Abraham fell on his feet and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Now listen carefully to that prayer. Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Then God said, No, Sarah your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant. Now you want to move down to chapter 18. Chapter 18. Hallelujah. Mm. Okay, let me read down what's a bit, please. And as for the verse 20 of 17, and as for Ishmael, yeah, that's the verse I was looking for. So chapter 17, verse 18 to 20. Hallelujah. Let me read from here. The words are so small here. Absolutely. So Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael could live in your presence. Abraham made a petition concerning who? Ishmael. 19. But God said, no, your wife Sarah will bear you a son and you will call him Isaac. I will confirm my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. Mm -hmm. 20. Now, take note of this. As for Ishmael, I have heard you, and I will certainly bless him. I will make him fruitful and will multiply him greatly. 
He will be a father of 12 tribal leaders, and I will make him into a great nation. Adikin preached some time ago here about the promises of God, and he spoke about the specific and general, in other words, conditional and unconditional promises of God. Now, God said to Abraham that I've heard your prayer for Ishmael, and I'll bless him and make him great. Now, I want you to take note of that statement that there was no condition, there was no condition attached to it. So, it matters not what the descendants of Ishmael will do, whether they serve God or they serve any other idol. The promise stands that God said, I have blessed him. And I believe most of us understand what I'm saying. Praise God. God didn't say that if the descendants of Ishmael should worship me, then I will bless. Otherwise, they won't have any blessing. But he said, because of your request for this man, I have already what? Blessing. Abraham died. And Ishmael reproduced. Hallelujah. And today you and I can testify that the word of God is true. Hallelujah. That prayer Abraham made far outlived many, many generations, even to this very day. And it's the same today. Praise God. You might be praying for somebody. The person's life may go worse. Things may not be going right. You may even die and the person is still not converted. Church, that prayer is not dead. Praise God. It is still alive because God is there to answer. Remember Abraham. That had nothing to do with what the Ishmaelites and his descendants did or could do or would do for the rest of their lives. They could hate, destroy. Now, when you read one of the prophecies about the people of, or the, the descendants of Ishmael, when God was speaking to Hagar, he said he will be a wild man. He will be against everyone. And everyone will be against him. But we see a complete different scenario in this promise. God said he will make them great. They will be blessed. Hallelujah. So prayer outlives our lives. Now, up there, like I said earlier, there is no way Abraham can make any petition for even a fly. Hallelujah. So, church, we must value that mandate that we have to pray. The last one is that because God has exalted his name above all. His word above all his names. Hallelujah. Let's read it from the book of Psalm. Amen. Psalm 138, verse 2. If you can put it on the board, please. Psalm 138, verse 2. After this, we're going to go into some worship again. Hallelujah. He says, I'll bow down towards your holy temple and give thanks. That is what I want us to do. Hallelujah. Maybe in the next 10 minutes. He says, I'll bow down towards your holy temple and give thanks to your name. 
for your constant love and faithfulness. You have exalted your name and your promise above all, above everything else. Now, some of the interpreters, they, 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 they refuse to accept what the original text. Please put King James on there for us. Let's see. Yeah. Because they, they, they can't be. Next week, we will understand why they put the name and his. But that is not the original text. Because when you know, next week we will look at some of the names of God and why they found it difficult to say that he has exalted his word. And the word that the Bible is talking about is not the eternal word, not the logos, but the rima, the spoken word. The Bible says he has exalted it above all his name. In other words, when God gives a word, a command, he places himself under that word. Hallelujah. He says, I will worship towards thy holy name, thy holy temple, and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word. I like that. Above all thy name. Let's look into some of the names of God. He says, you have magnified thy word above all thy names. couple of, I mean, weeks back, I think we, we discussed on our Wednesday a topic, very interesting, that why didn't God destroy Satan so we could all just have life? Amen. Now, another question that we could ask ourselves is, why didn't God just forgive man when Adam sinned against God? Let's read that, those last two scriptures and then, we, 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 we worship, hallelujah. Genesis chapter, first chapter 3 and verse 15. That was Genesis 3, 15 to 17, please. Now that is God speaking to Adam. After Adam fell, he said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman. And between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shall bruise his heel. Continue to 17. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception in sorrow. And in, in sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Mm -hmm. And unto Adam, he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. 18, please. Tongues and tongues it shall bring forth to thee. And thou shalt eat the herb of the field. Continue to. Mm -hmm. And in the sweat of thy face, thou shalt eat bread, till thou return into the ground. For out of it thou wast taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. Now why didn't God just, like Jesus said to the woman who was caught in adultery, neither do I forget condemn thee, go, and see no more. Or he could just say to Adam, Adam, I knew you would do this, 
But please, I'm, this is just a warning. Next time you do it, I'm going to punish you. Why didn't God do that? Hallelujah. Now let me tell you the reason why. Chapter 2. Let's read chapter 2, verse 15 and 17. The same Genesis, chapter 2, 15 and 17. That will be our last scripture. And the Lord took the man and put him in the garden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, 17, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou eateth thereof, thou shalt surely do what? Die. You see, it's like Satan knows and understands the principles in which God operates more than most believers. Now, if God had forgiven Adam, that means he has broken his word. And even the angels of God will no more trust his word. Praise God. Because once you fail in honoring your word once, that's it. It becomes a mark on you. But in the holiness of God, sin cannot dwell with him. Hallelujah. He said, in the day you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. Hallelujah. Now, this tells us that what? This gives us the assurance and the confidence that what? We can put our hope and our trust in the written word of God. It is as sure as you see yourself in a mirror. Because God's character is at stake. Bible says he watches his word to perform it. He says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And as the waters come down and waters the ground and cause it to bear fruit, so is every word that pro proceeds out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void until it has accomplished the purpose for which I sent it. Hallelujah. Church, we have a mandate, but it is limited to a time frame here on earth. Hallelujah. But the prayers are not limited to the time we spend on earth. And I would like to urge us, like what pastor said, it is not impossible. Praise God. In, uh, uh, let me start with uh, our senior pastor in New Addington, in Glory, in New Malden. In Cashaltin, in Polatio, in Cozin. Hallelujah. If I didn't call your place, in Red Hill, yeah, there's a mighty army there. Hallelujah. Red Hill or Rygate, yeah. Praise God. It is not impossible. And it's not up to God, it is up to us. The only problem is that, and I understand, there's nothing wrong about that. But we must not subject to prayer to times of crisis. Hallelujah. Prayer is not only meant or made when there is crisis. It is okay, all right, to do prayers when there is crisis. 
Because the Bible says he's a very present help in time of trouble. But it is more than that. 